Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Squad Games Podcast, the only podcast where we roll dice and like to hear ourselves talk. My name's Giacomo, and with me is my co-host, Dakota. Dakota, do you want to tell some people what we uh, forgot to mention in the last episode? The Intercession Squad episode, which was episode eight, Blessed Bolts has a plus sign next to it and can only be taken once. Same thing with Auspects. Yes. We were too excited about Plus. You know, it's Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Hulu Plus, Paramount Plus, Warhammer Plus, you know. Yeah, that, and then it also just released, so we were, like, super excited. We're too excited. Reading it for the first time, going through it, so. And we kept saying relentless instead of rending. So yeah. For the abilities you'd get from aggressive. Mm-hmm. So just little things we forgot, we were too excited. Yeah, so forgive us, oh, internet. And on a different note, you want to tell me about your stats? Yeah, so I started a little stat page for all of our tournaments, and I'm trying to reach out to other TOs and have them join as well. So that we could have either a West Coast meta or even a a USA meta for TOs who are running a lot of tournaments. And no matter what formats they're doing, eventually it should all combine into a a singular stat. doesn't really matter if you're pre-planning terrain, if you're running GW terrain, if you're running Luster's Workshop terrain, or if you're running a narrative terrain, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, in the end, everything should equal itself out with enough with enough numbers. But yeah, it's I made a Google Docs sheet. Where can you find that Google Docs? You can find it through our Discord. I do have it linked there, and I have it put I put it up on Reddit, and I'm currently making a web page on my website, lustersworkshop.com for it. Now you can also find you know the hobby track and the our events there. But yeah, I mean, right now we have with three tournaments, there's 138 or 140 40 games in it. So chaos is winning. Firstly, naturally, naturally, there's a lot of cool stats on it. Actually, like for instance, the bespoke teams only have a forty percent win rate, I believe, and the compendium teams that have played only have twenty two games thus far out of the the hundred and forty ish. They have a sixty eight percent win rate. It's mostly because the players were playing death guard and custodes, which drag up every other team. Uh, though. There was a Craft Worlds player at one of our tournaments who placed second. I thought he was going to get first, and that was in our second one. That was, yeah. Yeah, he did amazingly, because I played Craft Worlds when I first started, and then they were trash. And then they got that extra model. And then they got the two extra models. Two extra models, you're right. And it made them really strong when you take, uh, when you take um, Storm Guardians and Dire Avengers are just all Storm Guardians. Well, one of these days we'll do a compendium episode. Oh, we'll have to. Absolutely. Definitely. So it's cool. The stats, you can see... Who's winning Chaos, Xenos, Imperium? Maybe we'll have like a narrative event at the end of the year to see who takes Belfeth 4, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but uh, another one other thing I'd like to shout out is I did just drop the LVO tournament packet along with the All Valley and SoCal Open uh, tournament packets, all the same. Where can you find that? Also on my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Underneath the... the you should have an events, events tab. tab. Yeah. yeah, you go there and you can find the the tournament packet, which tells you a little bit about how each tournament is going to be run, and also, um, the terrain packet. You can find it there as well. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. I mean, you have another tournament coming up on the 10th. Yep. 
And we're also, before that, we're actually going to a different TOs event at Strategicon here That's in California. That's true, this weekend, this yeah. coming weekend. It's going to be really fun. I'm probably going to be bringing VetGuard just because uh, I am currently painting them. That is my current hobbiness. Yeah, I painted red on them recently. They're little bandanas, the little action hero squad. They're all from Hardcore Miniatures, all of his stuff. Jock, what are you doing? I've been working on... My intercession squad, specifically the assault sergeant, I'm drilling the holes in the body, so or really the sides, so that I can have one sergeant with a bunch of different loadouts okay. to make it easier for transportation. Yeah, we're doing it differently. Yeah, you're going to build them all. I'm going to just drill I'm and magnetize the one. seven sergeants I'll on have my three, roster. And that's all. <laughs> I'm going to have three. Okay. And that's right. it. That's all yeah. I need. I don't think I need any more. Just a bunch of magnetized little bits. I like it. <laughs> that's I'm, it. I'm down with it, you know? Shoot, you know, I just realized I could even magnetize one of the bolter arms going forward. That's just like the single bolt rifle. Uh-huh. So that assault intercessor sergeant can be molded to be literally the regular one, too, if I just give him that. Absolutely. Oh, my God, be. this is incredible. This is amazing. I'm excited. I only to... need one sergeant now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never have to bring more than one. <laughs> just one sergeant and then all the... Uh... The other, the other guys, are you going to be magnetizing anyone else on, on your intercession squad? Unfortunately, they don't need to be it. I have enough of the other models already. Cool. There's not enough loadouts to make it. That is it, true. You know? That is true. Not like if you were playing like something like orcs or, well, not even orcs. They give you enough bodies where you could, if you wanted to make everybody just boys instead of the specialists. I, like, I think that the, the only one that's like super, that you'd want to magnetize, if you're like insane enough to do it, would be the Corsairs. Because the Corsairs, they do have, because I have one box, and unfortunately, you have to have a second box. You need at least three more models, right? You could use Dark Eldar and just regular Eldar, though, because it it blends well. I mean, you could, yeah. You definitely could. It is is difficult, but um, I'm sitting here, and I'm just looking at my vet guard, and they all have the the clone hair, as people say. So they're going to get rid of the clone hair, and they're going to look like they're act, which is just standard primer gray. So that's, that's the clone hair, everyone. But um, gonna give them a uh, some some paint on their hair, so they'll look a little bit more like um, normal humans. That's gonna be cool. Excited. Lenny, well, let's get on to the main topic of today. Okay, we're gonna be talking about orcs with Mister Eman, also known yeah. as Emmanuel. Uh, what is this? he has like a uh, Eman paints on Instagram. Yep. I don't know any other any other name he would have. I think this is going to be our second time talking about orcs out here. This is. The first time we did was back when we did an Octarius review, and I believe that's episode five. Yeah. Which, if you want, you could check that out. But we're going to be having a pro with us today who's won competitively with orcs and has a really good understanding on how to play the team. In fact, he won our second tournament with he orcs. Did. Where he did, did he Where did he place in LVO? He played, a, he was... And he got eighth place. Uh, him, me, and Janice all tied. Obviously, 15th place, or no, 16th place, whatever we placed, all three of us tied for it. Very contentious, you know? Like, I, they're both extremely good players, and I'm lucky to be... To, in to their have, bracket. Like, to, just to, to, being to, to, in to their be, league. <laughs> to be in their league, you know? I mean, I both look up to, I look up to both of them as players because I think they're both quite amazing. Um, I just got lucky a few times, I think. Hey, sometimes a win's a win, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dice is in your favor or in Jesus. Yeah. But um, I believe he he might be getting approaching uh, single digits pretty soon with his tournaments uh, and, and ITC rankings. So I know he's quite up there. I'm not sure exactly where he's placed, but um, he's he's 
he's doing really well in the ITC format as well. So he's going to be really cool to hear a lot of his tips and tricks, especially for our, you, uh, you WOG players out there. Uh, he's good. He has a lot. I think he's going to have a lot of good tips for everyone. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get over there and listen to that uh, interview. You know, bet, bet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello everyone. This is the interview. This, this, we're starting the interview now. This is this is the way we begin it. We are with me, Giacomo, Dakota, and of course, the one and only orc player, Emmanuel. I am, in fact, the only orc player. There are no other, no one yes. else. I bought all the orcs, and that's how I guaranteed <laughs> that there were no other orc players. Are you going to start Sold a on your own? Like, you know, get some fungus and put it under a rock? Uh, you assume I already haven't. Oh, have you? No. Oh, it's okay. not a bad idea. Well, yeah, you could. You could Although, worst, you just get fungus. Well, I heard. I heard <laughs> you're you're, uh, you're 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 brewing what, uh, a little orc up for us. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I announced for uh, the uh, Killzone listeners maybe a couple pods ago that we're expecting any any. Now, any day now, uh, to everyone listening in future past time or whatever timey wimey things happen, uh, yeah, little little orc of my own. Um, at Alex, my uh, strategic strategic advantage co-host, he uh, he likes to joke about how I got a new grot growing out of the drops. Um, I don't I don't appreciate him referring to my wife in that way, but it's the drops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we 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 nickname little baby boy to be uggums because that's my favorite orc that i have in every single one of my orc conversion kill teams there's always an orc that. with the same exact head with the face scar that's always uggums uh so that's our nickname for um for baby to be uh i thought just while he was still baby to be but uh alex shared with me this past week and that he fully plans on Calling my future son Uggums for his entire life. <laughs> what have I done? Now, is there a place I can see Uggums on like Instagram or something? Uh yeah. Ooh, fancy segue over here. Yeah. Uh yeah, my Instagram has a ton of my orcs, Uggums and friends. Uh eman.paints. Eman.paints, here it is. I'm looking at it now. All right. Well, that's already a good start. You know, how how are you enjoying your time in the hobby of just doing orcs? Because you've been doing this for a while, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a while, what seems like for me, but uh, in the grand scheme of this uh, this hobby as it is, I'm still a newbie. Um, Wargaming itself was always something I was interested in, but, you know, young young little E-man with <laughs> zero, oh, zero pocket change to throw at pewter models. Uh, that wasn't going to happen. But uh, back when kill team 2018 came out i was like oh yeah this is this is interesting i'm i'm such a great D painter i thought it was amazing at that time i wasn't <laughs> but uh i was like yeah i'll paint up a bunch of orcs it's great and uh yeah so since 2018 i've been doing all this stuff started with orcs um just because i thought they were funny and every team i've made since then have been orcs save for a star wars thingy that i do on the side but um yeah it's, i have a lot of experience with green skin tones we'll put it that way there is a special fact that some people might not have caught in his little slim dig right there um 
Emmanuel likes to convert all races of all kilting factions into orcs, and they're quite great. Um, I wanted to ask you, Emmanuel, what is your favorite uh, conversion that you've done thus far? A whole team or single model? Let's go both, one at a time. Whole team. um, My Death Watch, Daka Watch, is probably my simplest conversion but also one of my favorites because it kind of helped like kind of propel me into the community it was my first time deciding ah, i want to do something orcs but i want to play a different faction and it's just grot heads on death watch armor but i filthed it up weathered it all that kind of stuff to make it look like it was just stuff they found on the field um and then when prime nexus came out and death watch got crazy fun um i expanded that into an entire roster with two commanders a librarian, which I took D&D lightning bits coming out of his eyes. Mm-hmm. Props to Eric, known as uh, Utsicle on the uh, discords uh, for that idea. And I took the resin Eisengard. Eisengard? No. Eisenhorn? Eisenhorn. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, there you go. <laughs> I, I went full Tolkien there. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Eisenhorn resin model. Not the... Yeah. the uh, the 28 millimeter scale one and made him two grots in a cr- trench coat to make him my Eisenhorn commander for that team. So that's probably my favorite overall team. Uh, it frequently pops up and people just gush over it and it makes me pretty happy. And that would be my favorite uh, conversion that you have done as well. The Eisenhorn model is fantabulous. Oh, I love it. It also helps that I found the perfect grot head for it. Um, it's a scowling bald grot who just looks very disappointed to be alive. And I, I feel like that that embodies Gregor Eisenhorn to a T. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, as far as my favorite single model, it's a tie. My favorite single model are two models that I use Knight's faceplate. Not, no, three-way tie. Um, any model that I use a Knight's faceplate on is automatically something I'm enamored with. Uh, the first one I did was I made a Gorkfrog Demorkrum, which is my Gottfrit proxy when I was making a Sisters of Battle last edition um, uh-huh. kill team. Um, and he's using a knight faceplate as his shield, his power, um, his storm shield. Yeah. Uh, and it's just fantastic. I use the, I use uh, an Ard Boy from the, from the Fantasy Iron Jaws orcs as a base for that. Um, Close, close tied first to that is my Breacher Boy for Commandos, um, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about today. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I turned some sort of two-handed, sh- like, I think it was a Combi Rocket or Flamer for a Knobs kit. I can't remember. Um, chopped off the end of it, and I put a Knight faceplate and a bunch of spikes on that, so that's his little Breacher Ram. And my most recent one was I made a Death Jesta. For the void stands of truths, that's right. Um, and I was I was really scrapping my mind to try and figure out a good way to represent. Um, it's a shrieker cannon, uh, I think, is the name of the Def Jesta's. Uh, it sure uh, is. And I'm looking, I'm looking through my bits, and I come across a Rucka Truck Squig Buggy, who has a model, an orc on the back, who essentially has a Squig Potato Gun. He's just got like a bunch of pneumatic tubes that just launch an angry squig out of it and that squig's gonna shriek 
and it's a cannon. So there you go. It's a, it's a perfect Shrika cannon. WYSIWYG right there. Um, <laughs> but he needed to be standing on a tactical boulder because he needed to be much taller. So I gave him like a, a boss flag to give him enough height to be a Def Jesta. I also have him standing on a completely wrecked, buckled, bent out of shape knight faceplate as well with like his foot kind of standing up on it triumphantly. So that came together really good. All those are, are on my Instagram if any listeners are curious to see what nonsense I've been doing. You guys should definitely go and give him a follow and a look because the things he comes out with is just absolutely absurd and outstanding standing in the best of way <laughs> I'm, I'm not a very technically skilled pa- painter yet i'm neat i do some simple blends and highlights and stuff like that but i really lean on the nonsense to draw attention and it, it it's also the fact that i just love my stuff to look different there's not that much creativity when it comes to presenting a list in kill team uh 2021 and being able to present a list that everyone's been playing since the drop, like commandos, but it to catch eyes still means a lot to me um, as a hobbyist, just because everyone has the same commandos, but no one has mine. And that really inspires me to keep doing this. Also, orcs are the best. So they are the best. Yeah, by definition. So <laughs> everything has to be orcs. But aside from that, it, it really pushes me and inspires me to create some interesting unique one-off teams um unfortunately i get so many ideas at once that i have four teams on the back burner that i've never finished because (laughs) they're giving us so many teams so quickly right new box that comes out and what do you even do you just got to pick it up yeah yeah pretty much well interestingly enough uh if you follow my instagram you're going to see some pretty unique nonsense coming out theme to the gallo dark but that has nothing to do with the Gala Dark. So stay tuned on that Instagram feed if you're interested to see what kind of BS I have uh, in store. Minor spoiler, the diorama for it will involve a fantasy Warhammer vehicle. Oh, I love it. I'm super, I'm super excited to, to see that. So I'm definitely waiting for that to drop. I did have a, I did want to say, I know that you're, you're, you're humbly saying that you're not the you're, you say you're, you're a beginner painter, but I do want to remind everyone that the very first Squad Games tournament that happened in July, uh, Emmanuel did take home the best painted. Not only that, <laughs> as of today, he is still the number one in the hobby track as well. So, uh, Even after is... missing a tournament too, huh? Yeah. Holy moly. Uh, I, was, uh, I was listening to a YouTube video of 50... I, I... My my YouTube feed is my suggested videos is either miniature wargaming or guitar, nothing else. It's just those. Oh yeah, two. I didn't know you played guitar. That's cool. Oh my goodness, yes. We'll yes. jam sometime. Oh, I didn't know you played guitar. Hey. Oh yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we'll talk more off air about that because we already turned half of the Killzone podcast into guitar talks. <laughs> we'll spare your audience to say, but um. And but I, I was listening. To... I tried to play the guitar once, and one of my fingers doesn't really work from uh, from football. Oh yeah, that's a bent one. I was trying to learn how to play the guitar. I don't have a music bone in my body, so I can't sing. I can't. I mean, I can hold a beat and dance, but that's about it. But mm-hmm. I had to try and learn how to only use bar songs, like mm-hmm. barring. You know, mm-hmm. if if I, I kind of know what that means. I, I tried to learn, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't learn. 
You can get you can get pretty far with bar chords and power chords. So That's I think true. there's a musician in there somewhere. But uh, it's I, more of an artist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so bringing up the guitar, there, there was a video I was actually listening to today um, when I was uh, when I was uh, when I was out exercising. It was fifty unpopular guitar opinions. Why does that sound so funny to me? <laughs> I, that wasn't supposed to be the punchline, but I'll take it, Jack. <laughs> you can continue um, with the punchline. I'll still laugh there. Yeah. But the uh, one of them that really got me was, I suck at guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. The, the guy, the uh, the YouTuber, uh, he said, it's like, well, that's not unpopular as a just kind of a dig at the guy's like, but in all <laughs> honesty, though, I find that the people that are the most self-deprecating tend to be the most talented. And I'm not saying I'm the most talented, but I, I definitely am my worst critic. Every time I look at them all, I'm like, ah, I could have done that better where other people aren't even noticing it. So, but you know, it's better to be a critic to yourself. So you know where to improve. I think so. I think so. That is, that is yeah. true. Well, I have one more question about old Kill Team before we get into into the Octarius Kill Team 2. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's not a question about injury rolls, because I've forgotten about those. I did uh, too. We don't, no, none of us want to remember that. Just like none of us want to learn the new line of sight rules. But or like running. But we're going to have to learn it. Um, speaking of which, uh, Emmanuel did just put out a new video on uh, the line of sight rules, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. on yeah, you youtube find that, uh, strategic advantage on youtube alex and yeah I, I it's uh a re-upload edit up to dating kind of our original line of sight yeah video. um yeah doing pretty well surprisingly since most people have already seen it i was surprised by that yeah people people are like all right we gotta we gotta learn this new because because the fact changed a lot but before we get to that mm-hmm. um i have a question about your ilk your orcs kill team 2020 um, I remember, I don't think I actually really met you like face to face, but I remember seeing your models there and I thought they were hilarious and they were your gray knight conversions. Your, <laughs> they were orcs in barrels, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Some might say that I ushered the era of commando orcs. <laughs> I Nostradamus it. <laughs> I much, much like the orcs, you willed it into into existence. That's right. I believed hard enough. Um, yeah, that's actually the that I debuted those at LVO twenty twenty. I was only able to come for Sunday. I had a work thing in Dallas, um, mm. or yeah, Dallas Fort Worth um, for that Saturday. So I flew from Dallas to Las Vegas to play in Sunday, Jesus, just for the back to uh, California, and then back to oh, I drove back to Jeez. California at least. It was <laughs> it was a weird trip. Um, but yeah, that, so I played them on that Sunday super pod. And, which was uh, a fun super pod. Orcs yeah. won it too. They won the whole pod. Which yeah. Was amazing. Yeah. That was the freebooter orcs that won that whole super pod. Um, like the mini GT. Um, but yeah, I, that's when I met you because you saw the, my Gork Knights. They yep. were just orcs and barrels with double falchions. Mm-hmm. I, I, my whole roster was just the six guys I was going to play. Um, six or eight. I, I don't remember how many Marines there were back in last edition. I don't I remember so. either. Um, and I distinctly remember it because you came up to me and said, Oh my God, hang on. Don't go anywhere. And you went and 
he snatched her wife and says, you need to look at this. And she said, <laughs> oh my God, those are great. Hi. And she introduced herself to me. That's where I met both of you guys. Yeah, it was, it was a, that was a really fun tournament. That was actually my first competitive kill team tournament, which oh, was, nice. uh, fun yeah, fun. it was quite fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you, how's your, how's your kill zone podcast going? That's going real well. Um, if, uh, if any of your listeners have not stumbled across it yet, you could check that out at anywhere you find podcasts. Um, most people find it on Spotify. It's also hosted, uh, we're sponsored by uh, Frontline Gaming. So we're also hosted on their YouTube channel there. Um, Frontline Gaming, the big behemoth behind most large North American tournaments. Um, so it's it's been fun. Me and Chris, also known as Beernid on the interwebs. Uh, we've been doing that since the drop of the year, and uh, it, it, it's been fun. It's been fun. Mix uh, fun Tactica videos, some feel-good video, uh, not videos, podcasts, some feel-good <laughs> podcasts there, um, Invasions by Monkeys from Outer Space and the Warp. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no idea what that means. <laughs> Check out the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's been fun, too. I've been enjoying yeah. that. Well. Before we get into commandos, I do have a mm-hmm. question about standard orcs in Kill Team, mm-hmm. um, the current version. Do you think that amassing 20 grots has any kind of actual play in this version of Kill Team? So, uh, first and foremost, it's not a legal team, uh, even though <laughs> the Warcom little movie trivia thing before the last reveal made it seem like it i believe i believe information came out afterwards saying oops are bad it's not a legal team i think um i could be wrong but at least the way i read it um it's only a boy can be changed for two grots but Mm. that being said for a brief moment because of that trivia in a warcom like stream thingy People took that as gospel and ran with it and played it at a couple of tournaments and it actually didn't do terrible. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, because that'd be uh, 20 grots, right? Yeah. yeah they're all GA2. GA2, um, yeah. But GA2 can do quite a bit. Um, just having, just for economy of action and rushing to take care of stuff before your opponent can get there to play the mission. It's, it's surprising how effective GA2 is. We initially started this edition thinking GA2 was just a throwaway thing that would bleed you activations but uh then when you put a couple grenades on some ga2 troopers you change your mind pretty quickly <laughs> real quick Good so, they had so to change that rule so yeah. quick that it took gw eight months to come or almost a year to come back and, and nerf it <laughs> 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 but um i have another one for you mm-hmm do you think that standard orcs have any kind of actual play over commandos in any way well he here's the deal um in competitive the delta yeah the delta or the difference between like let's say a through c tier right um s s plus plus and all the stuff that people will list um these are the teams that are just bonkers um pretty much Chalnath and friends, but um, the difference between A through C tier is very narrow. 
And there is play with greenskins, but I, I've played greenskins and I play them in not in the competitive setting. I've only taken commandos this entire edition, but the I, I've played them on in a competitive kind of mindset, like playing against Alex and stuff like that. And they can do work, but what what really does hold them back is the lack of specialists and the lack of versatility to what you can do to the battlefield or to your units. They're, they're very much like, I'm here and I'm doing this. It's not a bad thing by any means. I mean, you could see teams like Craft Worlds and Death Guard who don't have specialists or have kind of like mini quasi-specialists um, do really well in tournaments. But um, I I don't think... I don't think any team that you would put middle of the pack is necessarily a bad team. Um, there was a there was an episode of the Killzone actually where we talked a lot about this. Um, I think it was our episode where we we discussed the joys of playing off meta and Compendium Greenskins, hundred percent off meta. But um, you look at them and they have just a scratch, right? They have a boss knob that's with some war gear is static APL3, which is a big difference from a commando knob that can get APL3, but then loses it once they're done activating, right? Stuff like that. Tons of rockets, which is really good way to chew through power armor or just really ensure something dies. But then what they don't have is things like Dakadash, shooting out of silence, uh, being able to throw the extra third APL onto other models, not just their boss knob models. So there's things that are lacking that allows for some versatility on the kill zone that do hold them back. And that's why they're not A tier or S tier or anything like that. But I don't think they're necessarily something that you scoff at and never play. Did you ever see the Warhammer Plus episode where they did the Santa Claus, the Red Gobo with a bunch of Gobos and Squigs versus a Space Marine team? Uh, no, but I've played that game. One one of the bat reps on strategic advantages, actually. Well, it's not against Space Marines. It was we reenacted a the revolution. I took the Christmas village that we have for decoration, and we used that as wargaming terrain, including all the lights and the Christmas music and everything. Love it. And we had the Red Gobbo as a commander with a bunch of grots versus a bunch of knobs, and uh, they lost. <laughs> not the knobs, the knobs, the knobs, <laughs> the knobs killed so well. But uh, yeah, so I did play that. But how did how did that Warhammer Plus uh, thing go? So the they custom made the Red Gobo, and he mm-hmm. was awesome. The Space Marines kept getting too close to the squig nests, and the squig nests would awaken, and they'd come out and bite the. And they did so much dark ridiculous amount of damage they did three five damage whenever they would attack the space marines because they'd wake up the squigs and make them mad it was quite an enjoyable one especially for warhammer plus yeah i'll have to check that out i'll have to check that out i just ordered my warhammer plus one year subscription model today same dakota hasn't yet no i haven't i didn't get on this vindicare train no it's it's all about orcs Oh yeah, I bet surprise. for you. Actually, yeah, surprise. <laughs> you know, you would have surprised me if you didn't choose that, and you were like, "I'm going to convert this into care." I hesitated for a second. 
because I was going to do two grots standing on each other's shoulders yeah, holding, holding the, the sniper. sniper rifle. I hesitated for a second because I thought about doing that, but I was like, oh no, I have other obscene ideas for this. this you know, big I, I might just give you that uh, that terrain piece if you ever want it because I, I probably <laughs> would just keep a model. I don't know. It's one of those, like, can you use it in a game? That's besides the point. Anyways, just back to the orcs. <laughs> <laughs> so did the fact change anything big for orcs? For for uh, commandos? commandos? Uh, it did, actually. It clarified something. Oh. There was one change. Um, and this actually came up with my game with Chris B. Over at BAO. Because we were having an argument. Of, it's like this philosophical argument of what is it really to treat someone as engaged are they truly not actually concealed but um yeah we were going back and forth a little bit and then we let sheldon make a ruling but when you're on a vantage point and you treat someone as engaged are they still concealed but you're just pretending they're engaged and the reason why this mattered is that Orcs have a ploy, strategic ploy called Skulk About. Oh my goodness. I almost said Sneaky Git. And it allows you to retain an extra cover die, uh, success, normal save, if you have a conceal order. So then we're saying, well, I have a conceal order. That's what the token says. So I do have that, right? So do I save, even though you're treating me as engagement? Back and forth a little bit. The way he always played it was different than mine. The ruling would have been really helpful to be a global ruling of what it really means to be treated as engaged. Because there's other scenarios where you you strike as if you're fighting. But it's not an actual fight where people can fight back and parry. Or there's other examples of treating things as engaged, not conceal. What with marker lights, um, spotter as well, etc. And other abilities that you're always concealed or you get a benefit for being concealed. And it would have been helpful to know if treating as engaged engage turns off abilities that rely on being concealed. So we didn't get a global thing like that. But Commando specifically got an errata to the Skulk About ability that said you can always retain the save if you have a concealed order, even if you're tr- being treated as having an engage order. And that's big. And that's but big. That, just re- that just treats one, correct? Uh, you, you, you save one, correct. Okay. But I'm, orcs, except good. for the knob, yeah, it's, it's really yeah. good, because except for the knob who's on a four-up save, you're on five-up save. So now if you're concealed in light cover and someone shoots at you, from a vantage point, if you have Skulk about up, you're retaining two saves. You're getting two five ups guaranteed. If you're dealing with a grenade play, which now grenades are not as plentiful, but they're still there. If you're in cover and you have Skulk about with a conceal, and commandos are mostly always going to be in conceal, um, you're going to retain two against that frag or Krakenade or plasma grenade, whatever's getting chucked at you. So um, it really improves the survivability. That plus just a scratch being as good as it is um and they got a decent buff i mean they didn't get as much love as hunter clade got recently but i'll I'll take anything i can get after three three uh nerfs from the previous patches oh yeah now when when it comes to tournament play like they're Mm -hmm. still playable after all these things oh 100 percent um they, they had an interesting path um very much an icarus path where uh, when they first came out, there were a lot of 
their playability relied on, or a lot of their success was having two dynamites and this kind of way to read the rules where the Daka boy could use his ability Daka dash to dash and throw the dynamite. Is it dynamite? Yeah. I thought the um, same thing. Yeah. Also smurfing on all of the other um, compendium teams because there was no other bespoke teams out. So Correct. obviously have a much higher win rate. And and that's the weird thing about where all these changes came in. And that's where you also see a lot of arguments that custodies should be back up to 4 APL because the entire field is so different now with all these specialist teams, especially some that are at the tippy top, like the Chalnath teams, Avoid Dancers, et cetera, um, Vet Guard, et cetera, up there at the tippy top. But um, this big grenade dynamite wombo combo right at the beginning led to um being restricted to one dynamite led to the daka boy clarification where daka boy can only select the daka shooter his uh, gun for the daka dash ability um and then there was one third thing that happened i can't remember maybe i'm making it up maybe it was a fever dream of mine but um these were like little chips down on orcs and i think a lot of that early kind of push down for the orcs was exactly what you said dakota it's they they were a very effective team vet guard wasn't figured out yet um vet guard was considered much worse than commandos at the start and if we were playing vet guard the way that we are now at the start even with commandos having the two dynamites and the daka boy they would have been seen more as on par, if not Vetgar being a little bit higher, you know? So mm-hmm, it, it was yeah. just such a different environment that they kind of got chuck, 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 um, pushed down. But what's nice is that we at least are given the impression from the development team that all teams are being evaluated consistently each maybe quarter. I don't know how often they're going to be doing it. We've only seen it happen twice now, and and it has been quarterly. Actually, it does says Q1, Q2, so I'm guessing the intent is quarter. Um, and the most recent posting for the balance data slate shows that they're looking at win rates. And if you look at Commandos, their win rate percentage is almost outside the bounds of what they find acceptable. So we'll see what keeps happening if they do get a buff down the line. But in a very tangential way to finally get back to your question jock um 100 they're effective in in playable in tournaments i i i won a recent tournament i've i've podium many tournaments with them this edition um i've been tempted to change uh teams to try and find the new hotness to find that new spike team but um i've just always come back to them because they just really mesh with my play style and and they they have a lot of tools that help them do the mission um not as obscenely easy as some other teams might find it but i mean that being said they're a very strong team so you did say that they had a strong win weight early so do you think that this is one of the more easier bespoke teams to pick up and actually do well with i would say they're they're neither easy nor hard um the easier teams like void dancers um, easier to pilot, easier to get stuff done. Well, you still have to wrap your head around a little bit of their um, their Sadath stuff, which is now with the balance stuff, it is not as as important. 
Um, there are definitely easier teams, but there's absolutely harder teams to pilot, such as uh, I think VetGuard are not exactly the easiest team to pilot. Um, Pathfinders, Novitiates, those are harder teams to pilot, but um, they're not easy. And the reason for that is that their models are deceivingly simple. There's more that you can do with all these models than what the data slate says. And when you look at like when you look at a specialist commando and you compare that to a specialist on the newer teams, for every line of text on a commando data card, you have like three or four lines on these newer teams. So they're getting increasingly more and more and more complex. And I think that's what allows them to be slightly easier to pilot the commandos. But what make what you lose from that is you have to be more creative with how you execute these simple abilities. So perfect example is the comms boy. Um, he can spend an APL to give someone within uh, Pentagon or six inches of him an extra APL. Very simple. A lot of teams do. A lot of teams do that and other things. Like Corsairs has a guy who can do that, but also heal you in the same time, right? So right. Um, there's other teams that have units that are more complex but he can also do mission actions for one fewer. So then it becomes this deceivingly simple model. It's like, oh, he just gives someone an extra APL. Oh, I just give him to someone who needs to move dash shoot, who doesn't have DACA dash, or someone who needs to charge fight and do a mission objective. Like very simple things like that. Um, but there's also the whole mission action cheaper. There's also the whole when you give the APL and who you're giving it to and waiting until people activate, don't activate, are using the APL for point control? How do you make sure you hold a point if you're giving an APL to someone? So it, it, there's a lot more nuance and focus that you have to do on order of operations and positioning and ARAs and stuff like that to be able to push them to be competitive that make them a little bit more challenging. So like one example from a game, I needed to take over a point from mm -hmm. a Marine team. Um, I needed to make sure that um, with, um, with one model I contested, right? At the end, because I wanted to prevent them from, it was seized ground, so I wanted to contest and remove a point. I didn't have enough bodies to send two over there to take it, so I just needed one body over there to contest it. But if I give an extra APL to a model, and then he charges in over there and passes, He's going to charge pass. He's going to lose that APL and the Marine's still going to have it. But if I charge pass and then later I move my comms guy up close enough to give him an extra APL, that'll persist until the end of the, to the next activation. So that point will be contested with an orc boy with three APL having already activated and, and we'll flip that point to contested. What is a team that you've always wanted to play, but you haven't yet? Ooh, that's a good question. The one team that I haven't actually put models down and played has been Worm Cult, Worm Blade. Worm Blade? Yeah, I, I have it all built. Um, I've never actually played that team myself. And they, they've always been so interesting to me with the quasi-commander hero models and um, all the different things from coming in from coming in from reserves with they have shotguns they have blasting charges or they're popping in with a with a light a big uh, spotlight to give your sanctus sniper a juicy shot um all this kind of stuff that's that's one team that i have not given any time or attention to playing 
played against them, but not played with them. Um, and they've always interested me. Okay. You like those tricks? I do. I do. I like stuff like that. Yeah. What is, uh, what's been your favorite team that you've played that's not orcs or or commandos? Hmm. I liked Void Dancers for a brief moment playing them. Uh, I, I thought it was... So, the thing about anything with fly is it makes the terrain navigation just autopilot. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything with fly. And it's something that I really do excel at, not to toot my own horn, is manipulating and taking advantage of the terrain in my favor and to my opponent's detriment. Um, every time I'm moving someone, I'm looking at lines, looking at angles and all that kind of stuff to make sure that exactly where I'm placed, it's maximally optimally for me and really annoys my opponent as far as they're always like half an inch away from being able to shoot around a cover or something like that, you know? Um, I learned to play that way for playing with Alex as much as I do because um, <laughs> he will punish you if you don't. But um, with Void Dancers, the, that positioning just became so easy because uh, I wasn't budgeting my movement and counting each inch and having to position so carefully and worrying about um, vantage points and stuff like that. Uh, I was just domino field and okay come to me or don't you're you're gone next round um they were very fun to play um but they became very rinse and repeat for me there wasn't like a puzzle to solve um with them per se so it became a lot of the let's do it again i sort of mastered this strategy now i can Mm -hmm. try something else Mm -hmm. and to be fair i never ended up with a bad matchup with them to get punished with that strategy. So had I played more games or if I focused on them more and more and more, I probably would have ended up in the situations where I've had to find a puzzle. But for the, I want to say like 15 games I played with a uh, boy dancer troop. Um, I, I always felt myself longing for more of a, a puzzle to put together of where to kind of orchestrate my pieces forward and where to get them to help each other and which ones could work independently, all that kind of stuff that I got from my commandos. Also, I feel really guilty when I'm not playing my commandos. I, I, it's a completely weird, irrational thing, but I also feel super guilty if I'm not playing my commandos. So it's that also a problem. No, they're Indian in the cupboard, man. They know. They were he, took, he, took, he took the clowns this time. My oh, goodness. Be the one he playing now. He don't want us no more. Oh, no. Don't make me believe it. <laughs> hey, put him in a cupboard, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to commandos, um, what does a typical commando team look like and how many models make up that team? So it's always going to be 10 models. Um, none of these one model counts as two or any of these difficult uh, list building things like you get with other teams like um, like a Trader Guard, like Warp Coven, all them. Um, so you always have 10 models. Um, you could pretty much take all the specialists, um, I think, except for one. Let's see. So there's your, you got your boss snob, either yep. Power Claw or you got your Big Choppa. 
And then you have a myriad of upgraded commando boys where they all have pretty much the same chassis with slightly different weapons, slightly different abilities. And this kind of mixes into your specialists. And your specialists are things like your sniper boy, which can shoot from concealed or if engaged, he can shoot with torrent if he chooses to. Yep. Um, or you have your uh, burner boy is just a regular commando boy, but with um, with fists and um, a very mediocre flamethrower. Um, but then you have some weird stuff like the breacher boy where he can bust through walls. Then you have other weird stuff like the comms boy, like we talked about before, the DACA boy that we talked about before, etc. But generally speaking, it's 10 models. There's one model that you probably will never take unless you're just having a beer and pretzels day, and that's a squig bomb, mm. um, which is super unfortunate because I'm in love with the one that I have. I bought the whole Beast Nagas box, like the box set when they first got announced, solely for this snotling riding a squig on a monowheel um, <laughs> because that was just adorable. And then... When Commandos came out, I was like, okay, well, that's going to be my custom Squig Bomb. But that one's always been lackluster for me. I've never, I, I played so many games with that Squig Bomb, trying to make him work. Um, even named him Princess. That didn't help either. No, um, name. <laughs> but um, that, that's probably one model that you, you'll build because you have no reason not to in the kit because it's not like you're making any decisions on who to build, who not to build with that one. But um, suffice it to say, not the strongest model. Um, and you're only choosing one of those knobs. And then just you can always fill out your list with regular commando boys, which are great for taking objectives and just um, just um, acting as fodder. My typical list on an open board, and I say that now because we've seen what Into the Dark is and confirmed its arena, and that's changed my thoughts entirely is typically all the specialists except for the burner boy and the squig and um to replace the the specialists i always have uh, i just fill out with uh commandos uh just regular commando boys oh and the and the grot how did i forget the grot yeah everyone's favorite bully mm-hmm. yeah the little interlope. little grot which um i've been forcing myself not to interlope and taking other oh, hey. Well, I just wanted to find out what else he could do. Okay, so in, in fun games that I'm playing on the side, um, tournament prep games and just fun Weasley games, I've been um, taking other uh, secondaries and just seeing what more he can do for me. One thing I see is a lot of new players play the Burna, and I think that that's probably the wrong choice. Would you agree with that or would you disagree? I, he's not too far from a regular boy. And the argument to take him is he's, you can think of, you could inverse your logic on what that model actually is. If you have two equipment points that you're willing to spend on the Burna Boy, you can give him a choppa and he's exactly like a regular commando boy. And you could think of it as, okay, well, I'm spending two EP to give him a Burna. Now, if there was a flamethrower for two EP, I I would consider it in a lot of matchups, right? To yep. give a regular commando boy um a torrent six inch range hitting on twos weapon. That's not yeah. bad for two EP. 
So if you think of it the inverse way, it's actually not a bad logic step to make. But um, that being said, you need to be engaged to use Aberna. And I really don't like being engaged any more than I have to with my commando since they can charge out of conceal and do so much out of conceal. Yeah. Um, so th- that's where kind of I-, I waver between taking him or not. Now, in close quarters combat with such narrow hallways that we're seeing on these display boards that they show us on Warcom, um, I would consider, so for two reasons, I would consider um, making a burnout staple on my list. Number one, on open boards, I take a lot of climbing ropes just because I love how zippy it makes my team moving around. I mean, I played Evil Sun's last edition, so I definitely am a big fan of movement. But number two, that's six equipment points that I'm typically spending, six plus the dynamite, four on that for my 10 equipment points. Mm-hmm. Um, I have six to spare because I'm not seeing climbing ropes being relevant when you're not climbing, right? Right, So true. Um, unless they have some weird rule that lets climbing ropes do something, um, I, I have six points to spare. So with close quarters combat, why not take a stick bomb? Why not put a chop on a burner and then it's a no-brainer to take him? Because what else am I going to spend it on? Maybe smoke bombs, sure. Um, but that that math to justify taking um, a burner is a lot is a lot more reasonable. So I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong for newer players to take a burner at all, um, as, as long as you're willing to invest in a choppa or you know that you're going to have a commando boy that's probably not going to see much melee at all because you're going to be camping a back point might as well have a burner there just for the versatility okay what about your most valuable operative if you could only choose one and you had to play the whole kill team game with that one guy what would be your guy your most valuable operative out of your whole team time and time again i hope it's a dog boy it, it it it's a tie between the Daka boy and the um and the sniper boy. I hate and them. All. I hate them both. For 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 that for that reaction right there. And and <laughs> well, let me ask you. Let's flip this uh, interview around. Why do you hate them? So I hate the Daka boy because one of the main, some of the main pieces of terrain are three inches tall for getting a vantage point, and mm-hmm. the Daka boy can move up and then shoot and dash down for free when you have a climbing rope. And mm-hmm. it's extremely annoying. He's like an elf, and he shouldn't be an elf. He's an orc, a sleazy, sleazy fungus of an orc, the most fungusy of all orcs. Secondly, the sniper boy does so much ridiculous amount of damage so regularly that uh, he is very hard to deal with, especially when he can stay in... Uh, you know, when he can stay concealed and he's, he's just ridiculous to get rid of uh, unless if you have something that can either charge him or take his cover away. So um, yeah. yeah, those are my two, my two reasons. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> they, they create, they definitely create a threat that you have to deal with or work around per se. And that's what I really like about them because they create that aversive reaction in my opponent where there's like, ugh, I, this Daka boy's here. I can't go over here yet. And when you have a team as wide as commandos with 10 models, um, they're no horde, but they're no elites. More often than not, you're going to be able to keep, 
you're going to be able to hold off on your sniper boy and your daca boy maybe your rocket boy as well hold off plenty on at least partial cover of the board to give you that control and give you that safety you're going to have to force your opponent to just either move into position where you could shoot them or pass pass and then it's as if they're not non-effective model right so that, that, that's what i really like about them because orcs don't traditionally have shooting threats that's not what they do in last edition we found a lot of success with free buddhas because it was shooting orcs which people are just like oh god these guns hurt and they're hitting with them um and then in elite teams even just having one or two flash gets on there just to have some shooting threats and having a mixed threat on your team is always going to be um always going to be beneficial because then um, your opponent doesn't know what way you're going to lean in, and you have multiple ways to kind of take board control. Um, and commandos are very, very fortunate to have three very good shooting options. Um, with all the rerolls they get, even though two of them hit on fours, they're hitting quite a bit because of those rerolls if you set them up right. And even the Daka boy not getting his rerolls, just being able to um, pop up, shoot, and then pop back to safety and always be safe until you're losing because they're in your back line. Um, really makes him an effective um, zone controller. And that, that's what I really like about those two models. If I had to choose one, it would probably be Sniper Boy. But um, I think they're both so close to one. And Sniper Boy solely because he also benefits so much from their forward deploy tactic. Uh, when I first started out, I would always forward deploy the Breacher Boy just because it's like, haha, he's going to bust through all the walls and you have to deal with him, right? But more and more, I find myself wanting to forward deploy the sniper if I'm going to forward deploy anyone because I can often get into a position that my opponent just can't deal with and um, and take some early shots. Um, I had a game recently where I took... I, I had first activation. I kept it. I retained it because I was attacker and I... And we tied at the uh, scouting phase solely because I um, had four deployed my snipe in a position that could off one of his models before he got to do anything. And that's not common at all in this edition to have such a juicy first turn shot. And Sniper Boy can pull off some stuff like that time and time again. The, uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating that orcs basically get um 16 shots that are really reliable every round as long as you have those three models alive which is actually a lot compared to other teams mm -hmm. but what is your personal favorite model i would definitely say breacher he's my favorite because there's a, a lot he does um he also benefits from getting a choppa interestingly enough just because having four attacks on threes is much better than three attacks on threes especially when you're going into seven, eight wound models and the, the five damage on your normal hits isn't that important. But um, being able to, to punch through walls is just always such a fun thing to do to navigate around the field. Um, punching through walls, punching through ramparts so you could drop for free with his climbing rope um, so you don't have to traverse over. All these kind of tricks. I, I really, really enjoy that. The, uh, what, what makes this team uh, different than a lot of the other bespoke teams in uh, Kill Team? I used to say just a scratch, but a lot of people have something that lets them do that now, or at least ignore a wound or something like that, or change the tide of combat 
Um, just a scratch. Nice to help save you if you're getting shot and you really need to survive. But where it really shines is in combat where you can really skew the probability of success in, um, in fighting someone by being able to ignore an entire hit, um, even if they strike you. So um, just a scratch is one thing that is really unique about them. But um, what, what really is, I, I would probably say the most unique thing about them is how survivable they are. And that goes in with just a scratch being such um, a high wound team because you don't get that same survivability with green skins even though um a two boys fire team kill team has the most wounds in the game you you don't have stuff like just a scratch and skulk about and being able to stay in conceal which is kind of a hidden durability if you can't get shot you're not gonna lose any wounds right yeah um right. so um being at how survivable they are is very very unique and <laughs> what's very deceiving about the team is how defensive you should play them even though they're orcs and you would assume it's wow run forward they're they're blood axes after all right so they're going to have tactics and defense absolutely so i know your favorite tack op is just a scratch but what would you say um would be your other tactical ploy your other favorite would it be either crumpum or a sneaky git uh neither it would be neither. shush shh their dash that they get at the beginning of the game with anyone who has a conceal or is out of line of sight. Um, a lot of maps might not give you enough cover from the get-go, mm -hmm. or um, some stuff might be just barely out of reach. Being able to dash into positions, or if you misposition someone, you're like, uh-oh, I should not have been there, to be dashing back or away, uh, infinitely helpful. I, I I think it's rare that a game goes by that I don't actually that I don't open with shush. What what do you think your favorite uh tack op is? There's Crumpum is a good one. You mentioned that. That lets you fight at the end, which I've won exactly two games with it, and those were the two games that I ever used it. <laughs> so it has a hundred percent success rate. A hundred percent success rate. Only because the other times I just don't use it. By purely by the potential swing of a shot that you can get with it, it's got to be Daka Daka. Um, I try, if I'm planning some big shooting or big dynamite plays, I typically try to not forward deploy because you're, you're given two CP and then you gain four CP. So you have six CP total for your entire game as commandos. Okay. You're going to want four, maybe three, but Typically, you want to have four CP saved over the course of the game for just a scratch. You might not need a turning point one, which is great because then you have an abundance in turning point two. But you want to make sure that you always have just a scratch available because it's so strong and so swingy. But um, when I'm trying to take advantage of Daka Daka in either turning point one or typically turning point two, um, I try not to forward deploy because I'm going to shush. And then I also want to be able to daka daka, maybe put um, a skulko bout in there somewhere, but still have plenty of CP left over for just a scratch. And what daka daka lets you do is, if you get a crit, you can take a take a failed hit and turn it into a normal hit. So that's pretty strong. It's pretty strong, especially when you're usually throwing five or six dice for some of these shooting attacks. Um, 
and particularly strong with dynamites. When you are throwing, when you're going to try to catch at least two, if not three people in a dynamite, um, at the very least, that's eight dice. So there's a chance you're going to get at least one crit, which is going to turn that three up into like a two and a half up, um, which is insane for an AP one, five, six. How many faction secondaries do you take? Do you take blow it up? Do you take shock tactics? Do you get stuck in? What would what would you say? Uh, none. <laughs> none? All right. Yeah. Uh, infiltrate is way too good for them. That okay. oftentimes I'm just taking the standard infiltrate deck. I All mean, right. if you can get stuck behind enemy lines, that's a great thing for your commando grat to do. Or Got stuck it. behind enemy, behind enemy lines. Um, things like cap- capture hostage and infiltrate. Super easy to do turning point three and four, um, especially because it doesn't only have to be melee. I've scored it mostly in melee, but I've scored it plenty of times with Daka Boy doing uh, a move and a Daka dash, but doing the dash first. So I move, dash, and then shoot someone at point blank range and then just disappear. Um, (laughs) It's (laughs) I I saw that hurt, hurt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh getting all those rerolls on a bolter profile with five shots is really great to pick off a wounded model and score two points in turning point three right okay yeah um and then implant i mean you're going to be in melee more often than not um true right just get you're going to get a hit off and just you'll do it yeah and implant is great against going up against teams that are going to kick your butt in melee custodes <laughs> Yeah, custodians, or if you're going up against someone with a lot of power swords, like those power swords really chew through orcs. And if you know you're going to die in two hits when they charge you, it's like, ah, uh, I could soften you up, which is not going to do that much for me. Or I can score VP. True, very true. Go VP, that wins the game. Mm-hmm. Points win. What is um, what is your favorite pairings or synergies, or which which models do you like? you know, just keeping close together? Um, I always have, uh, so I view my comms boy and I view my knob as um, APL batteries. And I know that there's models that flex, that that, um, synergize really well with three APL. One is breach boy if I'm giving him dynamite. Um, another is Rocket Boy to turn him into a Daka Boy um, mm-hmm. because he can <laughs> move up, shoot, and then dive <laughs> down. Uh, your favorite trick, Dakota. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> then, um, then there's also the, the, oh my goodness, what's his name? Slasher Boy, um, who has a silent weapon who hits on threes with that silent weapon. Um, it's 2-5 damage, but um, I've killed plenty of models by getting a lucky crit off of that. So having a 3 APL on him to be able to throw a knife, charge, and then finish someone off, or to be able to charge, kill someone, and then throw a knife while staying concealed, um, all all really good um, things. So, what I, so all that being said, I, I look for which models I know do better with that extra APL. And I like to pair them with an APL battery, like the commando knob or the um, comms boy. Okay. 
Um, what about a beginner tip to all those beginner commando boys out there and also a pro tip? Beginner tip. Um, don't be so eager to interlope. Um, I definitely learned this the hard way. Um, before we learned how important activation control is, um, being able to delay key moves to later in the turning point, super clutch. And I was so enamored with the whole interloping grot that I would do them in the first turning point, right? And then I would be down in activation for no reason. He he has super concealed, just like a gene stealer, just like a domino field harlequin unless someone's going to get right up on him or throw a grenade, which if they do, you messed up. Um, the it, It's nice just to pass pass him in a safe spot or zip him around to play some mind games with your opponent to think it's like, oh my goodness, what is he planning on doing with this guy? Why is he on the other side of the field now? Why did he start? All that kind of stuff, right? Um, so just doing a pass pass with your grot, especially early on in a turning point, if you know that they're always going to 100% be safe for that turning point, you don't have to worry about responding to anything. Uh, really nice to be able to zip and move around with him or just pass to force your opponent to make another move and get closer to where they have to make a... They, they do something that you can respond to. So that would be um, a beginner tip. Most, most um, experienced players know that at this point. Um, as far as a pro tip uh, with the commandos don't worry about the daca boys rerolls. i agree with that i think there's too many people out there that try to use him way too aggressively and and he ends up dying dying before it's he one gets mm-hmm. it's potential. one big critique that i have when by playing other orc players at lvo um is because i know how he's done well right mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously emmanuel's slaughtered me with him many a times <laughs> but um other people would not do that at LVO and they just charge me with them and then I'd kill them and I was like okay well that's one less thing that I have to worry about now so mm-hmm. it's a very good it's a very good tip yeah the, the threat of the DACA boy is almost as good as the actual DACA boy um, and people will worry about your rerolls for you so they're not going to want to get close to him but um, by end turning point two three and then four you're going to be able to get a lot of rerolls to pick off things. And if, if you can stay safe and get some rerolls, that's awesome. But um, you can easily just take long bomb shots and you'll be surprised how effective he is at that point as well. Cause it's four ups, but it's five dice and Boulder profile is not insignificant. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Especially against, uh, you know, eight wounds and, and uh, seven wound models. Yeah. Tons of seven and eight wound models that you're seeing on uh, on competitive tables. Um, not as much with Phobos, but then there's only six of them. So why not take four, seven wounds off of a 12-point Marine, right? 12-wound Marine. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, moving out of Commandos, uh, I know you play a lot of tournaments. Is there any... Mm-hmm. I know you're... I also know that you're having a little one coming this year. Is there any <laughs> other tournaments that you plan on going this particular year or this ITC, ITC season? Uh, I'd like to, uh, <laughs> little one's going to dictate a lot of that. Absolutely. Uh, SCO would be nice, at least for one of the days. I have that on my radar. I also have the November uh, team tournament. I've already assembled my Avengers team. 
um, for that. So I'm, I'm really excited for that in early November that you're throwing. Um, that might be it for this ITC season for me. Um, I did quite a bit in this early April spring as much as I could, but, uh, yeah, yeah, little one, little one definitely takes priority. I got to make sure I got another, uh, another orc warlord ready for, uh, the upcoming seasons, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you got to make sure that he's, he's prepped and that he's wawing continuously. What if he likes elves, Dakota? What am I going to do? Then, then you, we can just trade kids. Cause I'm pretty sure my kid is an orc. He started walking <laughs> at seven months old. So I mean, that's not natural. <laughs> I don't think my wife will like that, but Hey, um, <laughs> he believed he could. So he did exactly <laughs> out of all the tournaments that you, that you go to, okay, it's, it's a little bit of an unfair question because you've never, you've never gone to a team tournament yet. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Well, maybe we can follow this question up another time, but, um, what tournament do you typically look forward to most every year? Which one do you uh, attending at least? SEO. I've always enjoyed SEO. Um, I've been twice now. Yeah. Cause there wasn't a 2020 and I went in 2021 in 2019, 2019 before that. Yeah. SEO has been my favorite one. Um, it's nice that it's local. I'm not going to lie. That's definitely convenient, but um, it feels like it's outside because it's in a big hangar with a bunch of open doors and that's a a nice, fun environment to be in. I've always had great games there. I've always had a great time there. It's all in Del Mar by the beachside. So it's a nice tournament where you could just go for a morning run on across the beach. Um, There's not many places you could do that. You could do that at BAO. I did that at BAO too. Um, but, uh, definitely it was a different feel at BAO just because it's, you know, convention hall and kind of stuff like that. And once it's again, also colder. Eh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Different part of the year, different part of the state for sure. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, uh, SEO for me, my, my favorite big tournament to go to. Um, and as far as little RTTs, honestly, any, <laughs> I've never had a bad time at an RTT. Do you think you'll be attending um, LVO coming up next year? Uh, I don't think so, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, who far. knows? That's an eternity from now. One eternity later. But um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's not on the plans, but I would like to be surprised that I can go. It'd be a cool surprise. And I have one que- one final question to ask you. Retaining to tournaments in general, what is a piece of advice you'd give to people who are getting into tournaments right now? So not just related to the army, but just in general about tournaments. Set a goal for yourself that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your standing. Um, This is one thing that I've heard a lot in the past of why should I go to a tournament? I'm just going to lose, right? There's fees, there's flights and stuff like that. But what you're going to is you're going to celebrate a hobby with a bunch of other people that are excited for that hobby too. And if you're worried that, oh my goodness, I'm not going to get top eight or I'm not going to podium, I'm not going to win this. Why am I even bothering? Uh, You're going to have a ton of fun. You're going to have a ton of fun playing games. But if you are a goal-oriented person and you've set this goal of I need to be first or I need to do well and that's 
something that you fixated on, you're not going to be happy if it's your first tournament and you don't have a lot of experience with the game. You might surprise yourself. And I love seeing people who come out of nowhere and just completely sweep a tournament. That's always, I, I love a good underdog story, right? But fun goals to set for yourself is like, say you're new to the game. I'm going to max my secondaries or I am not going to lose my Docker boy the same way I always do. Little goals for yourself just to have that dopamine rush of just like, haha, I did it. I maxed all my secondaries all day. I got six points every single game, but darn it, I maxed all my secondaries. <laughs> all right. Is there, uh, is there anything else that you would like to shout out? Um, nothing specifically. Um, we have... I, I'm I got a lot of hats, so I'll just do my my hat my hat rack shout out right now. Yeah, find me on yeah, find me on my Instagram at eman.paints. Um, I have some fun plans for October. Um, very fun. I I can't wait to get started, but I must wait because the plans are not here yet. Um, I I couldn't be more excited. Uh, spoilers, it's orcs, but you should have known that because it's for October. um you can find a ton of great resources if i do say so myself that alex and i put together for strategic advantage on youtube um we made the videos that we wanted to have to help teach people how to play the game in our own lgs's and that's really what we've created and we just put them out live for everyone to benefit from it it's really it's really um it's really a heartfelt kind of love letter to the community of here's this, here's how to get people into the game easier. It's, it's how we wanted to learn and how to teach. So um, I encourage um, anyone to go use that if you're learning or give it to your friend who's just getting into it. Um, we even made a shortened URL for the playlist, tinyurl.com slash learn kill team two. So easy to share around and get around for people to uh, <laughs> learn the game. and. Um, Chris Birinid and I um, have a twice a month podcast, Killzone, sponsored by um, Frontline Gaming, and you can find that on on Spotify and other podcast places. We do a ton of topics, whether it's crunchy competitive tactics to feel good episodes to um, beginner oriented episodes. So there's a lot of stuff on there for everyone involved. Well, thanks for uh, coming on to this interview today. Appreciate you coming out know with all those things that you've been doing so you made some time for us i always appreciate yeah, that thanks for having me this is fun thank you emmanuel well we'll catch you on the next time maybe next time in like uh, i don't know three months somewhere on there <laughs> when i surface for air again right yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right ciao bud all right ciao. take it easy Dakota, with all that knowledge you just got, do you feel like you could join the wall? I think I'm already part of the wall. What kind of fungus are you? The green. The green fungus? Yeah. I felt good. I did feel good. And I feel like that's the best place to end this episode. <laughs> 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 can't go really any more than that <laughs> oh no I broke him <laughs> oh, 
Well, you can always find us here most most weeks, unless we're sick. Yeah. You can find me at Wargaming Studios and on Twitter at Jock Plays Games. Yeah, and you can find me at Lester'sWorkshop.com, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can also find me uh, at any tournament, all our tournaments, our Discord. And finally, don't forget to check out our other episodes on uh, you know, Spotify, Podbean, or Apple Podcasts. We're looking to expand to YouTube pretty soon, so keep an eye out there. Yep, we'll figure that so debacle out. Uh, but until next time, catch you later. Peace. Water, I got the fucking Simply Lemonade. It's delicious. See, it says delicious taste. Is it actually delicious? Hell yeah, it's delicious. Well, it says so. Do you think it's delicious? It does. Fun fact, that's a bottle. Oh, you're right.